1: don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz as we kick off Monday afternoon with the call. 60 minutes, two experts, 10 stocks that we take a look at on your behalf that you've sent in and suggested and today. The dynamic duo. Even before I came in, the guys outside were going, the dynamic duos. And I said, yep. <laughs> and I said, really? No. <laughs> uh, Nathan and Darren from Deep Data Analytics. Nathan, good to see you. Great, and Gorab Sodi from uh, Intelligent Investor. Uh, good weekend? Great weekend. Yeah, we good. had a, we had a good, nice time. Yeah, Excellent. I think we should
2: get a cape for, for young Nathan over here, though. Why? Well, I think the... We'll Is it your
0: work. birthday today? No, but no, I think it would
2: go well with the old uh, superhero oh, yeah. theme. Oh. It's my wife's
0: birthday.
1: Oh, your wife's birthday? And
0: tell oh. everyone what you got your wife for her birthday, <laughs> So, I thought, I, I you know, she's, she should be candid for her <laughs> right. needs during the day before we all go out for dinner. Family dinner, so we I got her 10 bottles of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> 10 bottles of
1: Coke? I thought you'd got to say... And that was just for starters. Moom champagne oh, or stuff like you
0: know, that. We have standards. <laughs> we're that dicks So, you know, nothing like Coke to get you through the day.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Particularly on your birthday. All right. Uh, let's get stuck straight into it because we always run out of time with these two. Put so that in the promo, actually. No faffing about. All right. Um, stock of the day. I thought I'd bring up growth point Properties because mm. they updated the market saying it has seen a record increase in half-year portfolio valuation. The preliminary draft external valuations indicate the value of its industrial portfolio has increased by $146 million to $1.5 billion. That's almost 11% higher on a like-for-like basis than the prior book values. What did you think of the report? and yes, this was industrial property, but a lot of these companies are gonna come up with revaluations. Yeah. And what are we looking for? Particularly the um, groups, uh, REITs and property assets in commercial and also shopping center. And this worries me a bit on how valuations are done. Mm.
0: Yes. Yeah, um, yes. this is late cycle valuation. Uh, right. So this is where you sell into that valuation because um, the numbers always going to look at the, the late cycle is going to look good, as good as it gets. Um, now, th- look, a lot of these have turned around. Like if you're telling me industrial property is not good, uh, you're about it 12 months late. Right. Everyone knows. Yeah. Um, so they've done well. Uh, look, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I think they're quite solid. They've done relatively well. I think the cycle's turned around. I was actually talking to a few people today, uh, just getting a grasp of... Uh, Talking to clients from different backgrounds to get an understanding of how the flow of uh, human capital back into the cities and so forth, public transport and so forth, Um, most of it's back up to 70, 80%. Suburbs, uh, you know, when you look at shopping centres are really back up and running. You can't find car spots on the weekends. Um, So it's all pretty okay. Its Recovery is going well. My friends in small business, they're seeing the traffic. They're not buying as much. But it's definitely stepped up in the last couple of months. Okay. So there all seem to be numbers coming. So growth
1: point's in a sweet spot with industrial. Is that of all the property areas? Oh, I think
0: yeah, in, industry it's, the, it's been done, the one. That. Everyone's on it, yeah. and I think they've done relatively it's well. It's not just
1: industrial. Growth
2: point owns Retail. an office um, portfolio, so right. the office portfolio actually increased too. Right. But the a large chunk of this increase um, largely reflects um, shrinking cap rates. So that that's yeah. just. Cap rates. Right. Are getting, we don't want to be get too technical, but think about that as the yield on your right. property investment. Um, okay. It just—it's a function of interest rates. Interest rates fall, cap rates compress, valuations expand. Right. That's the relationship that's happening here, and it's but running what through what if rents the entire... have dropped? Um, yeah. Well, that—that's—that's. That's, that plays into that plays it as into as it. Well. Yep. Um, and if your rents have dropped, then the um, then the multiple. Um, will will multiply by the rent to give you your valuation. Yeah. But the multiple is actually expanding at the moment and that's right. that's covering any shortfall in rent. Ah, so I think that's what's right. happening with the office at the moment. Right. And you don't have that problem in industrial. Um, it's look it's it's real valuation. They'll recognize this through their P&L. Yeah. They'll print a very good profit number. What's Important to realise is that this does not turn up as cash. Um, it can reverse if interest rates reverse. Yep. So it's low quality profit growth. Right. Um, but it. Sh- I, I agree with Nathan. I mean, it shows you where we are in the cycle here. That low interest rates are having their impact, and the impact is significant across the property board. Right. Um, we've been, as, as you know, we've been big fans of Brickworks for a long time, yep. and Brickworks has a wonderful property business um, inside it. And the majority of the profits in that property business comes from compressing cap rates, from from interest rate movements, not from <laughs> from rent rises right. or from redevelopment. Profits, as long as
1: interest rates are going your way,
2: then property businesses do spectacularly well. Right. Yeah. And but just be aware that the growth doesn't come through as cash. This is again, this is low right. quality growth that, yeah, that's, see, that's recognised it. on the accounts, but mm. that doesn't right. fall through.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. This is. I mean, you look at the best mm. in, of the breed is uh, Goodmans, right? Yep. And that's trading at back to the all-time highs, um, and it should, it's good, but even that's not worth, for me, where it is. Um, you're right. paying too much, and and Greg's right. It, it's a time where it's pricing in what's mm. already happened, so you know interest rates were low. It's being held artificially low. I don't think that exists in six months' time. Mm. So if you're looking at six months, 12 months' time, either the yields stay where they are, or they're going higher. If they're staying where they are, there's going to be substantial stimulus going through to hold it. Yep. But the reality is we're in an a interest rate rising cycle from here. Banks have already pulled off. All their fixed rates have gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, variables are going to follow. So we're in that cycle. So if you're looking at 12 months, 24 months, that's going to rise. So these guys will reverse a lot of these things. So this is the time when you go, oh, it's probably the end of that cycle. And so the smart money is probably getting out here and going into something else. Yeah, but the so-
2: I, you just don't I, I've stopped guessing where interest rates are going. I actually have right. no idea. Yeah. I, I would have expected with the economy where it is, with the level of activity where it is, where company profits where they are, interest rates look absurd. They yeah. look absolutely right. silly. But yeah. then you've got the RBA and all central banks yeah. uh, confirming that they're going to stay low for a long time. Yeah. I don't, what what well, do there, you do with that? I mean, that's, about, that's
0: hard. I mean, if the US Fed is doing one, $1. $1.4, $1. $1.5 trillion a year of bond buying, ECB is doing even more. Bank of Japan is that's a Ponzi scheme. They just got to keep doing, <laughs> and they just keep increasing. So, mm. if you put it into that context, just the three, ignore the Chinese. If you're looking at those three, you're looking at four to five trillion dollars of bond buying every year. So the Fed is actually ramps up buying every data point that's going to spike inflation to keep the yield there. So the yield's been going sideways for a number of months. That's just because they're burning so much kiwi. The problem is this is the beauty of the big cycle, and I always refer to cycles here. The big cycle is because you've reached that point where inflation's taken off, it's broken out, every time they act to hold the yield where it is, they expand their balance sheet. They expand their balance sheet, they depreciate the US dollar, mm. which means the next lot of inflation number is going to be higher because everything, input so they're costing fueling it. They're, they're in this trap right now just to hold the bond yields where they are, they're going to make inflation higher and higher. And they're, they're not going to tell you that because... That'll spook the market. So at the moment, they're just going, it's transitory, transitory. The only thing transitory is what they're doing because they can't mm. keep doing it. Mm. So everyone knows that, but they seem to keep doing it. And especially when you see massive growth numbers, you know, very good job numbers. All of those things are telling you that the economy is doing well. But at the same time, we still got emergency stimulus. Yeah. So I just don't think that's sustainable. Yeah, we might do it for another couple of months three months, six months down the track, it just becomes a bomb. Okay,
1: so you're saying interest rates are on the way up, inflation's on the way up, and get out of real estate
0: investment. This is not the property. You've got to look at things that in 12 months time, when this macro plays out, and it's inevitable, as it goes up, there are other sectors that'll benefit out of it. And this is not the sector that So get
1: out of property into what?
0: If you're looking at on valuation basis, I'm looking at insurance sector,
1: your you're ugly. Ducklings?
0: They are the, the ugly ones right. they the come come through, come through. And you mm. know, the worst of the lot is QBE. QBE yes, it is. Yeah. And it's breaking out. It looks yeah. really good. And numbers—and they've been given a pretty decent. Output. Every
2: time someone says QBE, an analyst dies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I, actually, the funny part is, every yeah. time I tell any of my prospective clients, and yeah. I mention QBE, mm. I always remember a part of Gareth just going pop.
2: Right? I know. <laughs> I'm, it's still raw for me. And right. It's about yeah, 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> mm.
1: All right. Um, so no for growth point?
2: Uh, no, I'm probably a bit more um, circumspect than, than Nathan. I don't know about... Right. You know, interest rates look silly, but the, the central banks are standing behind them. Right. It could stay this low for a while yet. And okay. if they stay low, growth so, point oh, will do fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right, let's get into the stocks that uh, you want us to look at. And uh, of Andreas wants a view on Senex Energy. Andreas says, small gas producer that spent $400 million plus developing their gas acreage in Queensland, just started paying dividends, market cap $615 million and growing output. It still seems cheap here, according to Andreas, Uh, it'd be great to see what the experts think.
2: Geez, I tell you what, get me out of the seat, get Andrea in. <laughs> I think that sums it up really, really well.
1: <laughs> uh, obviously, Andrea has yeah. an interest in Cenex Energy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Look, um, when you look at the numbers on Cenex Energy, everything yeah. looks fine. It's The valuation looks downright cheap, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the forecast growth is very exciting, Um The asset base is actually pretty good, better than I expected when I had a look at this. The last time I had a look at this, they were heavy in the Cooper Basin, and I do not like the Cooper Basin. The Cooper Basin is aged. The amount of capital it takes to extract gas from there is just increasing. It's it's more like a tight rock formation now, and it's very expensive now. Uh, Cinex to the credit, seem to have recognized this. They've actually sold all their Cooper Basin acreage, and they're now focusing on Queensland, where the prospects seem quite attractive. They've forward sold a lot of their gas on fixed price contracts. This is actually quite a stable business for an energy producer, and they're forecasting a lot of free cash flow if you assume that they're able to get the operations right. Um, I think it's a pretty good management team. Um, The the balance sheet's in good shape. Um, Everything looks fine. I, I guess I'm just a bit wary of the very obviously cheap price. Um, this is a business that doesn't have a great history of performance. Um, it's been building these assets, sunk a lot of capital into them for a long time, and I would almost call it untested. Um, if everything no. works out, you should do very well from here, and it's probably a double from here if, if things work out. If they don't work out, you're, you're probably not going to, it's not going to zero. They, the balance sheet's in pretty good shape. As I said, they've got fixed price contracts. There's, a, there's not much eastern gas, develop, um, gas development on the eastern seaboard happening, so there should be a pretty welcome market for, for their gas.
3: Right.
2: I think on a risk reward basis it's quite attractive, but it's probably not my cup of tea myself. It's not something we would buy, it, but I, yep. I think there's a sensible case here and I can mm. see why you'd buy it.
0: Okay. Right. Uh, look, I mean, it's it's a beneficiary of inflation, right? Everything that's a commodity based should have a pretty good run. Um, energy is part of that. Oil prices actually beaten everyone's expectations. Yes, it has. Yeah. Um, even when there's more supply coming, even mm. when there's more lockdowns, it goes up. Mm. This is why when I say when OPEC comes up with the deal, they lie anyway, so who knows what's going <laughs> to do. Um, and it's hard to work out. But most of these uh, our energy stocks actually run on the LNG price. Yeah. Um, and the LNG prices came off hard and they've actually started to recover. So that kind of plays well. Now, the other thing to remember for the oil sector is the biggest, one of the big catalysts that we were waiting for is the airlines getting back up and running. Because they're big consumers the on the fuel side so if that industry is back up and running we start to see travel and we're beginning to see a lot of uh indications that travel between us and europe is starting to uh, you know they're looking at in the within the next couple of months getting up and doing for the vaccinated people which is a fair amount now so that kind of plays well so that's positive for the airline industry which is going to be positive for uh, energy side of things so again that's playing well um, I am a bit skeptical in the shorter term with the LNG because of COVID pandemic issues in Japan, Korea, and so forth. If you get any kind of slowdown in those economies, then the demand will fall off in the short term. Again, you know, I think you look at the big guys. I, I think when you're in the late in the cycle and when you're looking at commodity prices going, wow, that's pretty high, uh, yeah. then you don't want to be in the smaller guy. You want to be in the bigger guys. So still, look, you know, we used to love uh, Santos, Santos and uh, Beach. Yeah. Beach has had an issue. And that's come off, so I'd say beach looks okay, but Santos is probably the cleaner one. And everyone's going to go to Woodside, that's your defensive high quality play with the assets. I would look at those in the energy space when you're this late. I think there is a play in the energy coming, but in the shorter term, I'm just a bit worried about, there's a lot of supply coming in gradually. I like the word gradually used by OPEC and other countries. So gradually coming in, if lockdowns persist, then demand might not exist as well as people expect. So there might be a bit of a play in the energy on the negative side. So I'd probably be a bit cautious. So if I was going to play, I'd probably not jumping into the smaller caps. I'm looking at the larger caps, right. okay. and we are seeing the rotation out of small caps and the, into large caps now because yeah. of the market risk profile. So yeah. I'd say that's where you, you probably want to be targeting your exposure.
1: Okay, all right, but good business with. Look, it's good okay. It, sure. It's not a yep. it's not
2: a great business. Returns on capital are just okay. Right. Um, but it's. Uh, for this sector, it's remarkably stable, balance sheet's good. I think it's okay.
1: Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, let's Let's uh, let's keep in the fossil fuel area with the uh, mm. New Hope Corporation. Macon mm. Craig wants a view on New Hope. Of course, it's uh coal miner, has some oil and gas tenements in Queensland as well.
0: Yeah, it's a thermal coal. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, it, it's, uh, look, coal is a tough one to play. It's yeah. been bad for a very, very long time. But it's, you know, this is we're seeing uh, thematic throughout the commodity cycle you know a lot of commodities are running into supply side issues and even when demand gets lower and lower and lower and the supply gets lower and lower and lower at some point they meet and then yeah. you get this supply side issue suddenly pop it up yeah, and the thermal process exactly thermal call has done really yeah. well so in that context New and I've heard Gurav mentioned this time and time yeah. again it's the yep. most simplest project out there yeah. and yeah. you want to be there and look it's been a tough place and it's done badly for a long time. The last, what, six months it's gone sideways and it's actually starting to show signs because the commodity price is doing better. Mm. And that's the cycle and and it's doing better and it's doing well. And again, my view in the coal sector was it was always going to be a play for private equity because for them, they can buy right through the volatility, make the cash, because it still just turns out good cash. So in a market like this, that was always going to be. But the question was, when do they come in? Now you're beginning to see the inflation play out in thermal coal. So that's that's playing out, and I think it looks good. And up do do I know where the coal market is headed? I don't. Uh, but look, it's breaking out. There's supply side issues. There isn't anyone suddenly going out and making more in uh, you know, a coal mines. So in that context, you've got restricted supply, and it'll take time for anyone to react. So you've got a period where it probably will continue to do well.
2: Mm. Okay. I don't know where coal markets are going, but I know where they're not going and yeah. um, they're not disappearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's actually multiple coal markets around the world. Coal isn't really like oil. There's different um, there's different routes to market, there's different grades and there's different product types. Uh, the American and European coal markets have been decimated and they're not coming back. And when we talk about the death of coal, we're really specific about those markets. Yeah. Um, Asian coal markets have actually held up reasonably well. The, the Chinese um, uh, political uh, impasse has, has destroyed what would have been a very profitable area for Australian miners, but that can't really last forever. China, and in China, coal prices are three times what they are in Australia. Hmm. So the Chinese decision to punish Australia is actually hurting them far more than it's hurting us. Rock. New Hope um, was profitable at half the coal price. Coal prices have now doubled over the last ooh, six months or so, and it's just not reflected in the share price. The last time share price, the coal price was up here, New Hope traded at um, about 350 a share, I think.
3: Right. Okay. And it's
2: currently $1.70. Yeah. Um, I think that if you look at the free cash, I think you're looking at a free cash flow yield at spot about 25%. They should be getting $400 million in free cash flow every year. I, I say this and, this, and this is a $1.2 billion business, you know, so this is a, that, that's a lot of cash flow they're spitting out. And the mine they have, is, as I keep reminding Nathan and anyone who <laughs> listen, is, is the simplest um, coal mine you'll see. It's, it's one hole in the ground. There's one big um, uh, digger that goes up and down um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, supported by a fleet of trucks. And it's All just right. a continuous operation. It's the third lowest co- cost coal mine in Australia, one of the lowest in the world and it will make money at any conceivable price. So if you want coal exposure, this is the cheapest, uh, this is the lowest risk way to get it, and the balance sheet of the business is in good shape. I would actually prefer, we own New Hope Corporation, by the way, I own it personally. I would actually prefer Whitehaven. We actually increased our stake in Whitehaven um, a couple of weeks ago, and um, Whitehaven is riskier because it has a much, uh, it has too much debt on the balance sheet, probably. But it also has a higher quality coal, it earns premiums on its prices, and it's cheaper because it's suffering from a few operational hiccups, which they've outlined very decent and plausible ways of fixing. So right. the, the share price is heavily impaired. Uh, Whitehaven is about, about $1.70 a share. It should be, at spot prices, about 5 bucks a share. Wow. Um, and we won't probably get the full valuation, but, but I, I can't come up with less than $3 no. a share. For I the think yeah, the other
0: yeah. thing that hit that sector was China moving against commodities a um, while ago, yeah. um, in the last month or so. And that was logical because we saw on the data that actually corporate profits and corporate cash yeah. in China actually turned south. Was actually going negative, so they had to they had to curb the rise in costs, and so the easiest thing was well they can't really worry about the currency, so the easiest thing was to try and curb the commodities, and which is what they did, and that kind of took us to worry about what was going to happen in coal, iron ore, etc. But you know then on the flip side then you get the supply side issue came in, in. and mm -hmm. then so this actually fell and then bang and turned very quickly on the fact that supply side issues came out and then bang, the prices went off. And that puts it back. We
2: talk
1: about the financials and the free cash
2: flow, but really no one wants to touch
0: coal.
1: No, Uh, I've Um, just got to bring in is the ESG issues just going to flatten it out, or will people have to go in? Yeah,
2: and even if it doesn't, these companies generate so much cash flow, and I've targeted both of them because both of them have histories of good capital allocation. Right. So even if even if ESG investors say make the multiples low, yeah. you will get great dividends out of these companies unlike there's plenty of coal miners to choose from and some are materially cheaper than these two but these two have proven records of allocation so even if the if price doesn't move you'll get lots of cash coming back
0: it's actually funny because one of my clients actually got me on to say i want to play this thematic but i want to play it outside australia he went to south african call and and he he, he's gone in there (laughs) and and his theory was the fact that if you had issues with china in australia these guys have a clear run, right. and I was like, "That's wow, a bad that's idea." A, but it, it actually has worked out for <laughs> okay. him quite well. Uh, but I understood the logic behind what he was trying right. to do, yeah, and yeah. it makes sense. And and that's the interesting part. You can have, you know, it's it's there's a number of ways to skin a cat. You can look at that thematic and play it in different ways, and you can ne- negate your risk in different ways. But then you create other risk as well. But sure, it's a beauty of investment.
1: Okay, so a yes for New Hope, uh, 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 d- but you like white better. Yeah. Better, but yeah, you it's like riskier.
2: Th- yeah, and we oh. own both of them. My own both of them. Okay.
1: All right, uh, Greg, Jacob wants a view on Deterra uh, royalties. Um, you talk about a simple business. Uh, this is a resource <laughs> business that basically just has an office full of accountants uh, because they pick up the royalties mm. from the, uh, one of the BHP's iron ore uh, mining leases, don't they? Yeah, this so is- So rather than mine the lease, they gave it over to BHP mm. and just get a royalty.
2: Exactly. Uh, this, this was spun out of iLuca, and it's an incredible business. I reckon this is one of the best businesses in Australia, actually, um, that you really want to own. Um, they own a royalty over an area that BHP mines called Mining Area C, yep. um, MAC, we call it. A- and, and by itself, MAC is, an, is a vital part of BHP's iron ore operations because it, it helps create the iron ore product because it's quite a high-grade blend. So they need um, the, mi- the iron oil coming out of uh, Mining Area C to blend into their product. They're, uh-huh. e- they're expanding that at the moment and they're going to triple the, um, the production rate uh, by I think it's 2023, 2024, which means the revenue triples, which means the royalty that um that go uh, that gets given to deterra also goes up a long way now if if we look at 2023 2024 numbers assuming the the uh, expansion is completed at $70 iron ore i reckon you're you're getting about a five percent yield on deterra at sort of $200 iron ore you can do the math it's probably more like 20 percent right um now i don't expect iron ore to be anywhere near 200. I've I've said, I think 70 is about where where iron ore should handle. So at current prices, you're getting a more than adequate compensation, um, a very safe uh, royalty stream. BHP is, of course, the world's best miner. Um, uh, uh, MAC is one of the lowest um, grade areas in in the world, uh, uh, lowest cost areas in the world, sorry, and absolutely vital to BHP's iron ore operations. They are always going to mine there. Um, I think this is a buy. I, might, I, I will add that I own the stock but can't convince the team about it. They're really concerned about iron ore and what that will do to the share price once it collapses, and I think there's a consensus in the team that iron ore will fall heavily. Yep. So we, we don't own it in the funds, um, but I've pitched it a few times. Right, um, okay. So it's a contentious one, I've I, I put a buy on it and I own it personally. Yep.
0: Yeah, so this was the reason why people used to say Iluca is a hidden... Uh, yes, that's Ionor right. Plane, <laughs> yeah. uh, ...and people didn't understand it, and that's now been cleaned out. Um, yep. And so, yes, Grave's right. It's a good business. Uh, but I think it, it is... I can understand where your team's coming from. Yeah. Uh, so in the context that if you're looking at where it is, and I think Grave's too pessimistic on the I-North, uh, I, I still think it comes down, but I don't think it'll go that far down because we need to see a substantial improvement out of Brazil, which... Every time you think they do, it's it's a bit like um, yeah. computer share. Every time you think they should do better, but they <laughs> don't. Um,
2: I, I think it's very easy to throw that around. <coughs> um, vale in in Brazil is a superb miner. Technically, yeah. they are absolutely superb, and it's biggest very biggest iron ore mine in the world. Yeah. Really. Yes, yeah. biggest iron. They've and they mine um, in an area courageous, I think that's how you say it. It's very similar to the Pilbara, and that's one huge um, continuous formation. That there's lots of different mines. Uh, 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 a centralized piece of infrastructure. I mean, these guys know what they're doing. They're, they're not dummies. I think they, uh, Australian investors, tend to look down on Vale, and don't understand that these are actually very sophisticated miners. Um, and I think they can solve their problems. Um, no, no, quite I agree.
0: Yeah. I, I, I agree. But that's what's pre priced in. Everyone thinks Vale will get it wrong, and they keep getting. It. And, and, and <laughs> I think they're wrong. Uh, but I'm, yeah. and and that may be the case. But yeah. unfortunately, the numbers they have been downgrading. <laughs> So in that context, people, it's not gonna happen soon. Mm -hmm. It'll take time. Um, And the Chinese are backing Bali. They've invested heavily with Bali because they need to diversify. And they're investing a fair bit in Africa too as well. And they've helped the infrastructure there. So I can see the long-term play is not going to be a lot lower. But I think the medium term, you're probably looking at something north of 100, but it's not going to be near 200. Let's put it that way. So in that context, there's going to be a downgrade. And I think that's where I think your guys are looking at it saying, well, it may be the case and you may be right, but because of the sentiment no, no, falling, sentiment will it will hurt that's exactly And right, that's yeah. probably where mm. they're sitting there going, well, it's because it's pred- predominantly a yield play. The cheap, if you can get it cheap, then you lock in a good yield for a lot longer. Yeah. It's like buying a house. Yeah. If you buy it at the right price, you're happy to hold it even in the downswing. Yeah. And so that's the kind of thing I think they're waiting for. And that, that makes sense to me. And at the moment, with what's happening on the macro side of thing, with commodity prices in the short term, there might be a downswing and that will help you get it, get it cheaper. So if I was looking at this stock, and I, I do like it, um, and I think there isn't, and if you're a small cap funder, there isn't a lot of ways to play iron uh, ore in a higher quality business model. So you either have to go minres, or you've got to go into DRO. Uh, there's, yep. There isn't any other place. Otherwise you go into the smaller But end. you
1: wait for a pullback.
0: I'm waiting on a pullback. When we got out of miners catches. a number of weeks ago and stocks have come off and we're happy to wait on it for the multiples to come up. Okay. Remember, resources always trade cheap because they're cyclical. Yeah. So when you look at it, they will always look cheap. So yeah. don't get excited. I, I think the, the,
2: the reason why you want to have a little bit now, even though I think iron ore will fall, is that when mm. iron ore falls, this business will get snapped up. It is the single best royalty stream in the world Okay. there are lots of north american royalty companies bhp itself would love to buy back the royalty they mm-hmm. pay hundreds of millions of dollars yeah, yeah, out for yeah. So they would love okay. to buy it back. That, I, I that think is it a, that a thematic yeah.
0: that's been played around, whether, whether they buy someone else yeah. or would someone else buy them. Yeah. So there is a consolidation play. And that makes and sense. management's
2: aware of it. Management, yeah. like, you've got to love management, right? They want to keep their jobs, So they're well, talking a, about buying other royalty businesses, right. I think, as a bit of a poison pill, because anything they buy is not going to be anywhere near as yeah, good as true. what they have. And just dilute They're up. going to dilute the company, yeah. yeah. All
1: right. Orica. Next, mate. The many want a, mm. a view on Orica, the big fertilizer,
0: explosives. Well, it's a... It's definitely an explosive. A lot explosive. of share prices have been exploded. <laughs> said, <yeah>. uh, <laughs> uh, look, this is from memory. This... <laughs> you're not a fan of Orica, right? Uh, no, no, I am. Oh, you I are. am. It's it's mm. my one of my ugly boys. Right. Um, yeah, it's ugly. Um, and for you know, it's the thing is, if you look at it two, three years ago, they used to be operationally a mess. Yep. They fixed that up. Yes. Now they got they don't have a structural problem. It's a commodity problem, yes. right? And so if you look at the commodities and say, okay, gold, tick, copper, tick and you go call is the problem, right? And now you're beginning to see call come back in fashion. This is where you want to be in. Right. This is a, you know, you don't, you very rarely get, this is where I go for my ugly buys, is the big caps unloved by the market. And there are some big value players in there and nobody else wants to touch it. <laughs> and that's when the the market turns its dynamics. These are the stocks where the big fundies can come in and buy a lot. Right. I think Orica is one of those stocks, it's a bit like IAG. Yep. It's, Ugly, Ugly but the ugly is already in there, and we know about it. So I think as call turns, this is one of those hidden gems I think you want to look at. Management is good.
1: That's a horrible chart (laughs) as well. You wouldn't buy it on the chart, would you? What do you reckon? You shouldn't buy anything on charts.
2: (laughs) 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 But, um, yeah, look, I unfortunately agree with... with An ugly buy. I'm not going to go as far as a buy because there is one concern which I'll get to, but... I think let's start with that this should be able to make um, above average returns. Mm. And yep. for most of the history of the business, it actually has made very good returns. And that's because um, it's an ammonium nitrate business. Yes, it manufactures a chemical, which there's nothing special about that, but the delivering it into explosive form, setting up the explosives, um, selling yep. all the ancillary products. And, and controlling explosions, that is a really difficult task. And it's a task that miners have to do on a daily basis, but it entails a huge amount of risk and a small proportion of cost. So that, that disparity between risk and cost, it gives Orica a lot of pricing power. Yep. And it is the market leader in the world, it has a huge market share. There are competitors, but they tend to be geographically um, segregated. Um, and and this is a company that's trusted to carry out a very high risk, difficult job. That's a a good starting point that I think from there we should be able to get (coughs) high returns. So why has it underperformed, right? It's underperformed because management has done a poor job of capital allocation. They've bought badly, Um, particularly Minovo comes comes to mind. This is an underground, um, ground stabilization product, like it's uh, hardware you put into the ground to make sure it doesn't collapse. There's very little rationale. We thought it was a bad idea when they bought it. They've now effectively written down the whole value of that business, mm. and they're trying to sell it for um, a token amount. Um, there's been a change of management. There's been a change on the board, um, so that's really important. They've made a few mistakes, but now there's new personnel and a and, and new new board members, on, uh, and and that's you need that before you can see real change. So I think those are the beginnings of change. Um, they've also invested in in wireless explosions, and this that's could be revolutionary mm, across the industry. It. They've got a few um, cornerstone customers and it hasn't really taken off yet, but mining is the kind of industry where most players would wait for something to work and then rush out to buy it. These guys are the leaders in the field, invested hundreds of millions of dollars on the technology and I think it's a really good idea. My problem with it, Nathan, is that the balance sheet, it, it has too much debt. I think it's at risk of raising equity the cash flow is not all that good at the moment. Volumes are low. I think Mason's correctly identified. It's a cyclical low, not really a structural problem anymore. Yep. This, this, we're looking at it carefully. It's on the watch list. It's a hold for now. But okay. I'm, I want to see, do a bit more work on this balance sheet issue.
1: If they raise capital, I would buy it. Okay. But they need to fix all up right. their debt a little bit. Okay. All right. Uh, who we got now? Patrick wants a view uh, Gorev on News Corp. Uh, Patrick says this stock seems to have a large upside based on the sum of its parts.
2: Yeah, we got suckered in that way as well. <laughs> we, um, with with REA. With REA, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is, I, I guess, this is a good example of of the investor I used to be. Um, so it was very easy to tot up the parts of News Corp. Yep. And uh, and it was about fifty percent discount. And and we had a choice to make then. We could have bought. REA itself, or we could have, uh, what we decided to do was to buy News Corp, which had a huge stake in REA, 60% it owns, Uh, and the implied um, value of REA inside News Corp was so much cheaper, we went with News Corp. We held News Corp for six years, and we didn't lose money. We made about 6% average um, annual returns, holding News Corp for six years. In the meantime, uh, REA, (laughs) 2.5 bagged. And that for me is the lesson. I think sometimes we can be a bit too clever in investing. If you know how to do sums, if you know how to do an equation, you tend to always use sums, you tend to always use the equation. And I think investing is not a math game. It's not uh, a a matter of sums. It's a matter of real businesses and competitive advantage. And it was always a mistake to buy News Corp. I think it's still a mistake to buy News Corp. It still looks very cheap. Yeah, it's had
1: a good run. If it's sold out for everything,
2: it's probably worth about 36 bucks a share. Right. Um, the, the key gems, everyone knows about REA. Uh, I don't think Realtor.com, which is the American business they're building, is well understood. I think it's worth over a billion dollars. If they launch some sort of m- reform plans to monetize the value of their real estate holdings, this could move higher. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think there are simple ways. This yep. is complicated.
0: Yep. Okay. Uh, no, Matt Scan yeah. actually pointed that out. This thing was valued purely on REA. I mean, that was pretty much, it's, it's, it's actually funny. The only bid that's worth most of the uh, News Corp share price is the bid that News Corp doesn't control. Right. That just tells you something, uh, you know.
2: Look, it's not that bad. So Dow Jones is actually a reasonable business. Yeah. HarperCollins is making a lot of money. Book publishing is back, and the numbers are actually good, but although they're small. I, yeah, I, I remember, mean, when you look yeah. at...
0: Relative to what it is, yes, it's dominated by one. Absolutely, right? yeah. And if you look at the whole media empire with the Murdoch press, how that's played out, you actually don't make money. You know, it's the Murdochs make money, you don't. Yeah, that's a share fair price point. That's The a only time you've made money is when R E A shot the lights out. So, you, you know, I, I, just don't see what you're there for. I mean, I, I mean, I could be wrong. And if they get another piece working and the uh, valuation goes up, sure, there you are. But at the moment, if you strip out R E A. You've got a very boring business that's not hasn't done much, mm. and I don't think they're going to do a lot.
2: Okay. You know what else about? Can I can I quickly mention this about our News Corp? Is that uh, so? I personally own coal stocks. Uh, some of our portfolios, not our ethical fund, owns uh. coal stocks. Everyone on the team felt yucky about owning News Corp. We were no problem owning coal. We <laughs> own gambling stocks. We <laughs> own, you know, mining stocks, coal Why? stocks, gas companies because it's News Corp. Come on. Oh. <laughs> no one wanted to. No one wanted to buy I, 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 the Evil I, yeah. Rupert. Yeah. Not just no. evil. I think. I think that. Well, we're getting off topic here. Yeah, but, yeah. but the amount of damage that misinformation has done around the world. Right. So much of it coming from Fox News and other uh, News Corp. Okay. properties. But I, I think we yeah. we felt yucky. About just it just look at it. the yeah.
0: numbers. Yeah. Just look at the numbers again. Yeah. The only time you've actually outperformed. Is when REA did it. Right. The rest of the time, it didn't do anything. Yeah. You could have been sitting there for years, and it didn't do anything. It's like a nab of banking. Did an intelligent
1: segment. investor come out of News
0: No, of course not.
2: Did it. Alan Cola uh, uh, so Cola sold Eureka? Yeah. Eureka, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. Okay. That that's uh, owned by the same company. Yeah, <laughs> but we we took money from them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: OK, yeah. all right, uh, that's a much better way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, let's recap the first five sto- stock of the day. Uh, growth point, a no from Nathan A hole from uh, Gorab. Senex, a no from both. Prefer to go uh, Santos in uh, you're getting late to the to the cycle for the um, for the middle or lower ranking stocks in the sector. Uh, New Hope, a yes from both. Uh, Gorab likes New Hope, but uh, prefers Whitehaven better. Uh, Deterra, a yes from uh, Gaurav. Uh, Nathan is a wait for the pullback when the iron ore price comes down and set investor sentiment just hits all of the producers, including this one. Uh, Orica, a yes from Mathan as an ugly buy. Um, Gaurav's got it um, on a watch and a no on News Corp. Uh Here at the call, we have uh, our own fantasy portfolio we've been tracking since the 1st of July, thanks to our partner (laughs) NAB Trade. All the uh, stocks or ETFs that get two thumbs up uh, go into the portfolio. If they come up again and um, don't get two thumbs up from our experts, then they get traded out. Uh, let's take a look at how the fantasy portfolio has been oh, going. Wow. Flat that. on the week, up 3% for the month, up 33% okay. since the 1st of July. Mm. Some of the stocks uh, added recently, Santos, yeah, yeah, uh, GPT, Bigger <laughs> yeah. Cheese, Nine oh, yeah. Entertainment, and uh, Murray Cod. Oh, yes, interesting.
0: but it's late. <laughs> oh, late to Murray Cod. Yeah, late to oh, Murray God. Cod. Uh, it's it's actually an interesting play, but yeah, right. the whole fish
1: uh, stocks uh, removed on the Bridgeway, Pacific Smiles, the oh. oh. hospitality, and Eros. Yeah. Take it out. And yeah. Bridgeway, are and Omni amazing. Bridgeway, yeah. yeah,
0: I think it's all right. Yeah.
2: Pacific Smiles is the most misunderstood. Yeah, stock. it is. I'll, I'll no give you that. It's just that. too hard. We should do that one day. Yeah. They yeah. yeah, don't understand
1: it. All right. To yeah. uh, look at all the stocks yeah. in the call spot fight, so you'd have. Pacific sponsor. And on that. And on, and on me. There. Yes. It's, all yeah. right. Uh, let's later. take a look at, uh, if you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, mm. uh, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And Nathan Mark wants a view on Kena mm. Securities. This is oh. um, sort of a, a <laughs> bank in, in Papua PNG. New Guinea, yeah. bought Westpac's business up there. Mm. Um, Mark says uh, they have little debt, good growth, potential brackets in my view. Uh, close uh, brackets, with only one con. Is this bargain worth the risk? (laughs) Has uh, Mark picked it in one?
0: Look, this is one that I did find a while ago, and I always kept a tab on it, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's cheap. It's always cheap. (laughs) There's a a reason why it's cheap. Um, The reason I always remember it, because the code KSL, because there's a... um, Resort in Malaysia in Johor oh. called KSL, okay. and because ah. just on the just on the other side of the bridge from Singapore, so we used when the kids were young, we used to go there a fair bit. Now Malaysia, <laughs> no go for That's a while. A very good <laughs> connection to
2: make. I <laughs> know, <laughs> but it's
0: it's because of that code. I always remembered because this is a very you know unique financial yeah. institution. Mm. PNG. Uh, actually, my wife used to live in PNG, so I've had mm. you know uh, and I had friends working there in telecom sector as well. It's an interesting sect- area, high high risk, tough. Things can turn on a dime. Yep. You just don't know how things are. So, you know, you've looked at, you know, just to give you an example, oil surge used to be the top, you know, one of the top two oil stocks for everyone. And then something called a sovereign risk turns up and then it's not. Yep. Uh, so things can change. And that's why this one is underperforming. Look, on the numbers, this looks cheap as chips. But there's a reason why it's cheap as yep. chips. I don't think it's as good as what you think. It's an emerging market risk, and I think this is not the cycle where you should be mm. playing that at this point. Look, it's it's a unique stock, but yeah, I, I'm a bit careful here.
1: Bit too hard, yep. I have a
2: real soft spot for Papua New Guinea. I work there in a former life, oh, and um, I love the country. Yeah. Um, visited gold mines there, and um, of course, I haven't been to all search operations, but we, we know the company really well. They used to pay, different tribes to, to guard their pipelines. Yep. That's how they, they got away with it. But, but Kina is, uh, this is, you know, you can say, look, it's got sovereign risk, and, and you might think you understand what that means. Yeah. But until you go to public <laughs> you, <can laughs> you, yeah. you, you have no idea what yeah. that means. Um, no. So the Papua New Guinea financial industry is dominated by this uh, business called uh, the Bank of South Pacific and they do most of the big loans. I think they have some sort of government involvement as well. Um, it's, a, it's a country, in fact it's a whole region that's dominated by a handful of conglomerates. Um, Kina is a entrepreneurial little business um, that's trying to disrupt all of that. They do have a really good market share. They've got a, a good position in PNG. I love the purchase of the um, of the Westpac Westpac, um, business. I think that was actually a really strong business in the Pacific and they seem to have bought that for a really good price. Um, They make enormous net interest margins, Mm. enormous. Um, They've got a little funds management business on the side that's doing quite well. There's no question that this is um, a cheap stock. If this was anywhere else in the world, it would be three or four times the price. Um, But it's never going to trade at that that multiple. It's a mistake to compare this to another banking stock and say, oh, this is cheap. it's probably adequately priced for all the things that can go wrong. But I think they've got a really good management. Um, Capital allocation has been very good Mm. for a while. So you should get dividends out of this. And I think you can can have this as a speculative buy and you probably get most of your returns from dividends. I, I wouldn't buy it myself. I just don't think... Right, uh, um, the upside okay. is there. But um, look, it, it's an interesting business. It's a great
0: business. And it's just, yeah, um, yeah as you yeah. said, it's just, if it wasn't a PNG, <laughs> it would be yeah. worth a lot more. Of... But
1: as all you guys tell yeah. me on the panels, um, you've got 20 yes. stocks yeah. in your yes. portfolio. Yes, So sure. uh, There are <laughs> much easier yes. investments yes. to make than something like this. I think you've so. You've got to make a choice. Yeah. 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 All right, uh, Gaurab, Nick wants a view on Raise Invest. Um, acquired Superstate, uh, superannuation company specializes in property investment, which will add to um, uh, the RAISE suite of investment options. Uh, RAISE is also a range of growth strategies in Indonesia. Uh, what does the group think of it? It's a really interesting little business. It
2: um, yeah. first got my attention... This the
1: old Acorns?
2: Yeah, they had a partnership with Acorns and yeah. they split, right. but Acorns okay. still exists separately. And I think actually they're moving into Australia um, right. and competing with them okay. uh, at some stage as well. Um, it first caught my attention because it was founded by George Lucas, and I thought, huh,
0: that's interesting. Uh, he's, yeah. he's gone from Star Wars to... <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, of course, it was a, it was a different George Lucas. Um, but that's what got my attention. Uh, it, it's a fascinating idea, and um, they've actually done really well. So what they do is they... Um, it's sort of micro-saving. micro, uh, blo- micro saving. Yes. They yeah. take very small amounts of, of savings from mostly young people, and they invest those savings into... Um, ETFs, um, and I think it's a, it's a nice way to grow your savings. Uh, it's so all done it's through sort an of app. It's
1: a savings plan, isn't it, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To teach people about.
2: It's, it's, a, it's a great little product, and I think that's right. It has some good value to its customers. Um, the customer ratings appear very high. Yep. The growth in deposits and the growth in funds under management appear very good. The financials are moving nicely. There's not too much to complain about, it doesn't look overly, look it looks very expensive, but compared to how it's growing and how it's scaling, I think there's potential here. It's just impossible to know, I mean I can't forecast anything with this business, I can't even come up with a probability of whether it will work or not. It's difficult to come up with a workable investment case. There's a lot of competition in this space. There's, um, yep. I think it's Spacewalk, who's the big American one. Yep. They're coming. Acorns is coming. Yep. The traditional financial service providers are also doing their own products. Their churn rate at the moment is really low, about 1.5% a month. Um, if that doesn't increase, I'd be very surprised because it's, it's really easy. Mm. And What you don't want, you don't want this to turn into a competition on price because no. margins are quite thin as it is. Yep. And um, it could really devastate. The cost of returns. entry
1: is basically an app. An There's app, correct? It's very low. With a good app, yeah. So it's I'd
2: just be watching this. It's, it's an interesting business. I think they have done some good things, but right. lots of competition. Nathan?
0: yeah. This is basically you buy something and then you round it up, and then that, that bid goes through to them, and mm. then they just accumulate <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, look, I I actually got shown this by um, our IT guy, um, Benny. Yeah, uh, shout out to Ben. Uh, he showed me this and said, "This is pretty cool," and I've got my kids looking at this and mm. stuff like that. And I went, "That's pretty cool the way mm. it works." So the model was—I mean, we were looking at it a couple of years ago, and it didn't do a lot. And then suddenly it got market attention, and it just went bang. So this was—it's done trading, really well
2: out of COVID, hasn't well, it? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it went from what, averaging around five, five to ten cents to fifty cents. Yeah. I went, "Damn." <laughs> uh, I know it was good. Mm. I like—I liked what the management was doing. All of those pieces were good but it just, I just didn't know how you take that to the next level. You know, how do you step up to uh, monetize that into a big model and grow it? And, and that's, you need a huge scale, yeah. and that's the part I couldn't get my head around. Um, look, I, I love the model, and I like the way they sell it, mm. and it's not taxing on you, so the investor doesn't really realize that they're doing it, and it kind of happens around you. So it's not done nicely, the app's good, um, you know, Benny's a discerning consumer so <laughs> when Benny, Benny likes something I, I always pay attention and he, he was impressed. So look I, I think it's it's a play I just don't know where the model sits in the medium to long term so it is one where I think look it's a speculative buy you want to put a bit of money and then sit back and watch do a bit you know use the product I, I think it's pretty cool yeah. um, and I, I just don't know where it's going to sit but I, okay. I actually like the model. I you know, it All could right. be something. Okay, so i so, spec buy it from yeah, you. Yeah, spec buy.
1: All right. Uh, Margot wants a view, Nathan, on Intelli HR. Margot says, could the expert please review it? Uh, usually anything with Bevan Slattery in the same sentence is a winner, but this share price has been lacklustre. Since discussed in February this year, Uh, At a time that it was added to the calls fantasy portfolio by Claude Walker and Adam Dawes, so whoa, Uh.
0: Whoa.
1: Margot, that's a bit of a (laughs) slapdown. That is lucky.
0: Well, uh, it's it's it's, (laughs) oh look, it's it's not a it's not a big cap, and um, the thing about Bevan Slattery plays. It's great if you were holding the share before he talked about it. (laughs) It's not so great getting in after he's talked about it.
2: That's probably that big leap there, isn't it? So in in that
0: context, look, you know, it went to 50 cents. The basic premises, I always say, that when you get to that first run up, that's your steroids run. Right. Whether it's a mining stock, whether it's a tech stock, when people don't think about cost, don't think about margin, don't even think about profit, all they think about is this could be the next Altium, yep. right? And Or oh, the next Google. And trust me, I actually bet against Google.com, <laughs> so that tells you something. So in that context, you've got to be careful when that kind of optimism, and then you put Bevan Slattery on top of it. That's just, right. you know, you, you've had a three-course meal no here. here no, no need to go for the next one. So when that happens, generally you've reached the peak. It's going to yep. take a while for it to prove itself. You're there now basically waiting for them to execute. It's like a mine that's found the resource, and then they're going to build a mine. When they build yep. a mine, it just goes wrong. Don't be there. And this is the kind of thing they're proving. Uh, Look, again, I always have the view that when you see a Bevan Slattery stock, if you've been there, great. Don't go there afterwards. Don't follow him. Yeah, because it'll take time.
1: All right. I
2: would actually suggest that um, when looking at a stock, you forget about the share price. Don't even look at that and focus on the business because what you're buying is a piece of that business. Yep. Um, And try and understand that the best you can. And the last piece should be price and valuation. And when you look at the business here, this I mean, it's a good product. It looks like a a fine product. There are piles of competitors, lots of competitors. It's not a product that really generates revenue either. It's a cost center as well, which means the people purchasing this have to justify the expense to the CTO. And you often find those sort of products compete heavily on price. Churn rates are typically higher. On the
0: only way you're getting people is you're just trying to prove that <coughs> you can reduce their cost. Yes. yes. Which yeah, means you have to be chart. low cost. Yeah. Yep. Which that's one of the first things I learned leaving Broking into tech. Yeah. Is that when you are the cost platform. Yeah, we want that as well. Yeah. yeah. You, you really are <laughs> in a situation where you're going to be cutting yourself. Yeah. Yep.
2: And there are lots of competitors for this. As I said, the product looks good, management looks good. Um, it's got the slattery tick of approval. I'm skeptical about how, what that means, yeah. but okay, you've got that. But the valuation makes no sense. The business is really at its infancy. The revenues are tiny. They've got a, a large number of customers and a large number of users, but they must be charging a very small mm. dollar value. Okay. And that means the scaling task is enormous here in the face of a lot of competition. I actually think this is a sell. Okay. This is not the kind of market to be holding um, yep. little um, hopeful stocks. Okay.
1: All right, Claude wants a view, uh, Gorev on motorcycle holdings. Uh, Claude says, Company's guidance uh, for FY21 results look pretty bullish. Company doesn't uh, see any sign of a slowdown while they've now a high basis of comparison. Seems to underperform the auto stocks for no obvious reasons. What do the experts think? Obviously, a motorcycle dealership chain, newer news cycles, 31 dealerships, Eight retail accessory locations across Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, and the ACT. Really solid business, this. Um,
2: yep. Really surprised us when we had... We actually went out and visited um, one of their big centres in Western Sydney, and I was really surprised. I expected to see a motorcycle yard that mimicked a car yard, right? Yep. But it's actually motorcycles new and used, combined with a whole retail operation that sells motorcycle accessories as well. Yep. Uh, and it's it's quite profitable. Um, margins are slim, but they actually turn over quite a lot of stock and they make good returns on capital. Good founder management um, balance sheet looks looks good. The growth has been, um, I would say, atypical. So the margins have actually doubled um, mm-hmm. over the last okay. year. And, and I think there's a bit of COVID activity, uh, COVID mischief going on here. I'd be careful. I know it looks very cheap on uh, forward multiples, but um, the fact that margins have have risen so much probably tells you that there's a little bit of um, unsustainable, unsustainably high earnings being right. owned by the business, and you probably want to scale those back a little bit. But this is certainly a business um, that's worth putting on your watch list. Um, it's on okay. our watch list. Um, okay. It's a. Uh, I, I think we we think we decided around two two fifty. It was probably a bit more interesting. Okay. Um, but. Um, certainly keep it as a whole, then it's a a good stock for the future. Look,
0: all automobile-related stocks uh, have done better than I thought, uh, Mm. and you can never discount the pandemic effect. And I think Graham's right. Look, it's a good business, but there is too much expectations into the business. I think people think that that's going to last for a lot longer. Okay. I think the pandemic boost is going to have an effect. So, for me, it's one to keep an eye on, but it's a bit too expensive.
1: Okay, last one, Nathan Leader. Want a view on my deal, uh, the online retail marketplace, um, e-commerce share price has been a bit all over the shop. would um, when October last year for a dollar.
0: Yeah, um, you. I mean, the the market darling or the um, the the proxies Kogan right yeah. and you've seen the red bubbles you've seen all of these things pandemic has been a great play for yeah. all of these guys for the right or wrong reason you've been in the right place you've done well um, this is one of those ones where you go you've come in at the right time to the float now the question is what do you do afterwards for your encore um, you've got to deliver and you've got to execute when things are get back to normality and I think a lot of these guys will struggle and the share price telling you that yeah. and it's one of those Things that are, you know, time and time again, fund managers always tell me, if the float struggles in the first six months, sell, go away. Okay. And this one, and it struggles, great. Yeah, struggled, okay. and it's a tough one. All it's right. A tough sector. Uh, I think it looks kind of interesting.
2: Um, I don't really have a handle on the business yet, so it's it's a it's just a website. It's no. I, I think of this as a as a channel as an acquisition channel for other retailers because the company actually holds no stock. It doesn't do fulfillments. It just connects buyers and sellers Sellers. together. So the seller actually does the fulfillment, the buyer purchases on the site. It's a really sweet spot to be in and the model is working. Um, The numbers are rising dramatically. The transaction value is increasing dramatically. I don't understand why it's working though. Um, There's a lot of competition. They don't seem to be doing anything special. They must have very good marketing. In fact, they've actually got the they just hired the, um, the former marketing boss of Catch um, oh, okay. onto it, which is a really big coup. And that's what actually put it on the radar for, for me. Um, but for me, this requires a bit more investigation. It looks interesting. The price looks good. I wonder about it. COVID has made these sort of stocks very difficult to analyze because yep. they're newish, they're growing a lot. But how much of that growth is, has yeah. been escalated by COVID? But there's, the problem hard I've seen
0: know. is these kind of website products, they've been around and yeah. most yeah. of
2: their so that luxury
1: brand one Setire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah
2: so we've uh, we should do that one day cuz we we've raised a few questions about that one oh. try try finding the founder uh, so that the the founders are all try uh, they're all um, business businessmen from from China you there's no information how they source their stock um, oh. there's, there's there's a whole okay. lot of red flags on that all right one. Yeah. all right we'll yeah. yeah. watch that yeah.
1: All right, let's um, recap the final five stocks mm. Keener I know um Raise a speculative buy from Mathon, a watch from Gorav Intelli HR, uh, no, and a sell. Motorcycle Holdings, a watch from both. Good business. If it, it would be interesting once it got down to around two fifty, um, and my deal, a sell from mathan uh, and a watch from Gorav. Um, that's all the time we have. Well, uh, we started early uh, mm-hmm. with no faffy about. We're still <laughs> racing towards the end. Only Matan Darren, and Gaurav Sodhi would uh, lead us that way. But it's been fantastic as usual. Thank you, gents. Thanks, Have a good week. Thanks, um, if you want any stocks for our expert panel to look at, email the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us at osbiz.tv. Uh, all the stocks in the Calls portfolio. If you want to see them, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. If you want to wrap up of the day in business and finance, you've got to subscribe to the Osbys newsletter. You get Scuddy's View, the Close of Business podcast, and uh, all links to the pop- most popular videos. Subscribe at AusBiz.co forward slash the COB. And uh, in what's shaky in IPO land today, uh, FOSS Capital IPO and Trajan Group both making debuts on the ASX. Um, shares, there's a tale of two cities. Mm, one yeah. down 16%, the other up 12%. A lot of um, IPOs this week. I think there are eight coming on. Uh, uh, Trajan Chief Executive Stephen Tomish uh, is joining us a bit later. And Foz's, uh, Foz Capital CEO Con Scrinus, uh are coming up on Ausbiz very shortly. So a bit ahead on Ausbiz. We'll be back after the break.